Hey everyone, this is Cool for Thought, and I'm Marib Khan. A quick Google search of the most influential music genre in 2016 will lead you to hundreds of think pieces about hip-hop. Born from rebellion and bred by criticism, hip-hop's relationship with America has been a conundrum that only the freshest 90s babies seem to be able to wrap their minds around. It's been about four decades since hip-hop came on the scene, and each new generation has consumed and understood the genre differently. Here to discuss that today is John Nolan, former president of UVA's student hip-hop organization, aka SHOW. Basically, if you've been to a rap show in Charlottesville at any time over the last few years, this is the guy that you have to thank. Thanks for being on with us, John. No doubt. I first want to ask you a little bit about your background. You know, where you're from, um, how you grew up. Yeah, I think this is a good opportunity to lay down some qualifiers. Um, I think... This will be an interesting conversation because in a lot of ways I'm representative of a demographic of kids, um, white kids primarily, I think, that didn't necessarily grow up sort of naturalized in the hip-hop world. I don't know shit about what it's like to listen to the college dropout when you're 11 years old. Um, I didn't really have any access to rap um, until I was 15. So I don't really like claim to be any sort of like historical authority for a while. It was just another form of music that I listened to, um, pretty much in isolation. Like my friends in high school all thought it was to be generous. They didn't really get it. They just weren't really into it. And it wasn't until I came to school, came to UVA that I sort of met people that had been like really sort of irreversibly like formed and shaped by the music like whether it was like the clothes that they were wearing or just the conversations they were having like the lingo um what kind of got them up in the morning um so background wise i'm from charlottesville i've been here all my life um i used to be really into baseball um and my parents mis made the huge mistake of getting me a guitar when I was 11 years old, and it was like all downhill after that. <laughs> that single-handedly destroyed my, my sports career. <laughs> so, but I do remember when I was like 9 or 10, I mentioned like my parents were pretty restrictive in terms of, you know, what I was able to watch, what I was able to listen to. But my neighbors had MTV, um, and we didn't have it. So I would, you know, scurry over to their house, and I remember you know, sitting on their floor in front of this, you know, like elephant box of a television and seeing like an Eminem video. I think uh -huh. it was for Without Me. Okay. And it's a good video to see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a pretty like wild starting point, like entry point into rap. Um, and I mean, Eminem's kind of a weird case because he's like, I mean, he's very clearly a rapper, but he's always kind of existed outside of the norm and certainly now just functions as kind of like a caricatured pop star. And I think you mentioned, yeah, you mentioned your parents being a little restrictive. I mean, Eminem, for that to be one of the first rappers you're listening to, that probably didn't strike them as something pleasant. Yeah, no, <laughs> they had no idea for a while. But anyways, I just remember like, you know, hearing the rhythms and like seeing his delivery and just seeing how sort of like, you know, we were talking about this earlier in some ways, like it felt rebellious, you know, it wasn't really anything yeah. that I encountered, had encountered before. My dad was into like, you know, Paul Simon and Bruce Springsteen, which, you know, it was kind of like in the case of Bruce Springsteen. And I guess this is another qualifier. Like I apologize if a lot of my sort of like 
my reference points for talking about this stuff might be like sound like its own lingo because I'm like I can't understand music in terms of anything but music you know what I'm saying okay. so like if I'm talking about Kendrick Lamar I have to talk about Funkadelic you know what I'm saying yeah so anyways like if it kind of gets like a little weird I'm sorry but yeah so my dad was into like you know just kind of like good like rock and roll um and I just remember like just feeling like I was in a different world and then it sort of dropped off for a while um I wasn't super interested in it I was more interested in like classic rock because I wanted you know I was learning guitar and the people that were training me were really into like you know certain black artists like B.B. King, Albert King, even Al Green um who's not really a blues artist but um so then when I was like 15 I had been pretty deep into like punk rock for a couple years Mm -hmm. and I think as a result of that just sort of started encountering like really really good music journalism like people that were like clearly incorporating like you know black flag and like um Husker do into what they were talking about but at the same time we'd be listening like Gucci man you know yeah so it was like just these constant kind of like um I don't know like resurrections and like new understandings of like what was appropriate within like a musical sphere yeah you know um so that's kind of my background um in school I listen to rap almost exclusively um and have recently actually been sort of taking a break from it because I I think now more than ever I'm sort of confronted with the like really troubling like racial dimension I still love rap and I'm totally indebted to it and just want to understand what that next step is like understanding like so there's a there's a future song called Purple Coming In it's on the 56 Nights yeah and there are certain times when I think artists are able to communicate very effectively the fact that they either are currently or for a very long time have basically been running for their lives yeah um and that i think there's a lot of like rhetoric around like futures year like this past year 2015 like he was just all over the place and you know just had like a total banner like in some ways unprecedented year and yeah has has made a huge impact on american society yeah yeah it's crazy like going to parties and now like it's just it's become this like kind of like culture of cool like you're yeah. really cool if you like future which i mean future's awesome it's but. the whole i think it's like the complex um kind of generation style thinking mm-hmm. um complex magazine i mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. sadly generational thinking is not too complex but <laughs> um but yeah no i mean there there are certain times when i think future and plenty others are just able to communicate like I've been effectively running for my life for a long, for a really long time. I think the way he talks about it is like trying to dodge all these scandalous heathens. You know, there are people out to kill him, people that don't want to see his success. And I think I sort of had this moment of realization, like if that's sort of the music that I'm listening to, like people who in the midst of all that trouble are still sort of giving me and so many other people this gift of like, incredible expression both in like lyrical terms in melodic terms um also in terms of like just the the approach that they take like what was so cool about futures a year like 
it had like a very like punk like element to it was you know in 2014 he puts out his debut album it like does kind of sort of well you know there are good songs on it whatever but it wasn't what people wanted and it certainly it doesn't yeah exactly like it wasn't what future wanted and he was really clear about that um and his best year was you know three mixtapes which you know on their own are not making him any money yeah um and then an album that he announced like maybe four days before it came out like about a week yeah yeah Yeah. um so yeah so i think given all that it's kind of like like it's kind of analogous in some ways this analogy would break down very quickly but like sort of the way i feel about like playing call of duty okay you know like if all you're gonna do is listen to future and listen to chief keef and listen to Young Thug and like keep this kind of like healthy distance. Like Mo and I have talked about this. It's like a safe way of feeling dangerous. Mo Yassin. Yeah, for a lot of people. It's a safe way of feeling dangerous. If that's as far as you're gonna take it, then you're basically like playing Call of Duty and just sort of like benefiting off of like the completely like war-torn sufferings of other yeah. people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So given that, I've sort of like taken a bit of a pause and like trying to step back and, like, generate some sort of, like, worldview, whether that's, like, you know, political or even, like, metaphysical on, like, what is the responsible relationship for somebody cut of my cloth in relationship to this music that I've loved for a long time but haven't understood in political dimension? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Rap is often contextualized as being um, our generation's way to rebel. Uh Uh-huh. do you do you think that that's similar to the way that like you said your dad is interested in you know classic rock and roll? Do you think that that's similar to previous generation previous generations music, whether it be you know jazz, mm-hmm. rock and roll, uh, heavy metal, things like that? Right. Um, on the like the first question or sort of like the first idea of each generation sort of having their sorts of rebellion. I, I mean, I think the, the question I ask is like, okay, what sort of rebellion are we really talking about? Okay. Because if you look at something like sort of late 60s, sort of Summer of Love stuff, mm-hmm. like, you know, the Beatles and Jefferson Airplane, all this kind of psychedelic stuff, which in a lot of cases is incredible music, you know, great songwriters, um, incredible melodies, just sort of, in some ways, yeah, it was unprecedented. Uh-huh. But... It's sort of uh, like in in a case like that, and I would argue also in a case like this new monstrous movement that we're calling EDM, it's not really a rebellion that's directed at anything bigger than oneself, you know? Okay. Um, Or it's not fueled by anything outside of one's own head and one's own personal satisfaction. But I think in the case of punk rock, rap um maybe certain types of like straight up rock and roll though i don't really even know what that means so i would just focus on punk and rap in those two instances the goal was we need to create a community like Uh this this is something that cannot simply function as like you know art for like just sort of like highbrow intellectuals and there's maybe more of that well there's a lot of that on both sides whether or not that's a good or bad thing i'm not entirely sure but i think any sort of self-respecting hip-hop listener is 
probably going to want to recognize the rebellious dimension of it. One of the things that I really enjoy about hip-hop is kind of its relation to history. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that a lot of hip-hop artists love highlighting history. Um, I think of like somebody like Kanye West, you know, sampling for however long hours a day when he was younger, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and uh, No More Parties in L.A. track that just came out. Um, I mean, he's done this a couple times, but, you know, he's sort of, I think that was a Madlib beat. Like Madlib in particular, I think is really good at putting all of the the different iteration, like historical iterations of yeah. ideas into like one, what's that, like a six minute space. Realistically within four seconds, because it's just a four second loop. But I, yeah. I, I can't remember what the like vocal sample is, but he's got like Ghostface in there. Yeah. And then he's got Kanye, yeah. the sort of like our generation's OG, and then Kendrick. Yeah. You know, it's a... That song's actually really grown on me. I didn't like it at first, but it's tight. Um, for younger rap fans, like you mentioned that you didn't get into rap until you were 15. Mm-hmm. Um, for you know people who didn't grow up with rap, do you think that that's one way to learn the history, to learn the, the context of you know where these artists are coming from or what they're trying to uh, portray to their audiences? Yeah, um, rap has the benefit of like, or at least for the audience, I think in most cases being very sort of clear and like declarative and yeah. exactly what it's trying to say. Like there's not a whole lot of ambiguity when, you know, I'm trying to think of an example. On your point about it being direct, mm-hmm. there's a lot of controversy among hip hop and rap uh, with it having a rough relationship with uh, sexuality. Uh-huh. Um, with race. Right. With when, race in what respect? You know, like when you see uh, Macklemore put out that song, White Privilege. Yeah. Um, addressing things like that, you know. like mm-hmm. When there are artists who are, you know, saying homophobic things uh-huh. or uh, sexist things, right. misogynist things. Um, do you try to defend that when people come to you and say, like, why do you listen to hip hop? Why do you listen to rap if it says these things? Maybe less of a defense and like kind of keeping keeping people honest, you know, like so first of all, no, I don't think it's like permissible in any case. And and I just don't think that's like really a particularly interesting part of the question. Like nobody's debating whether or not like a homophobic slur or like, you know, talking about like. I was listening to this, I think it's uh, Young Thug and Schoolie from mm-hmm. Rich Kids, and uh, they're on, the beat is incredible, it's a metro beat, and the last half of Schoolie's verse is just basically talking about, like, you know, to speak in his language, like, breaking a bitch's back and sending her home, you know? Nobody's, like, if you're really, like, self-respecting, you have no reason to defend that. There's, yes. like, there's no amount of, like, contextualizing that's going to soften a blow like that. You right. know what I'm saying? There are certain things that we could talk about that maybe make us understand where it comes from. Uh-huh. But I think we can all agree that, it, yeah, it's symptomatic of problems. And that, like, in some ways kind of goes back to what I was talking about. We all have to sort of, like, keep each other morally honest, right? And if that's as far as you want to take it, just, like, listening to, like, the immense beauty and also, like, the completely, like, shattered parts, not just of rap, but of any musical form, of any form of art, like, you can't just stop at this kind of, like, arm's length, you know? 
you got to really, you, you have to engage it. And, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I, I've completely like come failed to, to find anything in this world that is not both of those things, like tremendously beautiful and horribly conflicted and problematic. Like if you can tell me what one of those things is, please do, but I'm, you're not going to find it, you know? Uh So all that to say, no, I don't think there's any reason to defend it in 2015 and or 2016. Fuck. Um, I remember seeing like fat trail on uh, sway in the morning. Oh gosh. And you know, fat trail is tight. Like he's, you know, no secrets was like a crazy tape. I haven't listened to too much of his stuff outside of that. Um, but he was talking about like, I don't want to take him too out of context, but I think he was talking about like, you know, seeing a, seeing a dude who he like, wasn't scared to rob. And he like mentioned that he thought he was gay, like based on the way that he dressed. And like, he, I think the, what the phrase he said, he was like, he was gay, but he was fresh, you know? So like that, yeah. but in there was very yeah. fascinating in sway. Who's like done a remarkable job of keeping himself like totally awesome and uh. like like on just sort of like on the ball with rap shit like set him straight he was like yeah but you're not really tripping over that in 2015 are you yeah he was like nah nah you know so yeah. are there any artists that you think address these problems head-on i think we can talk about kendrick a lot i think we could we could go from the Kendricks to like the Meek Mills, you know, like Black or the Berry to like Ice Cream Freestyle or something, which are two very different songs. Yeah. But in like particular issues of like homophobia or whatever, misogyny, I mean, I don't know. Like there are certain things that I really like about yeah. street rap. Yeah. I like the fact that, you know, Bankroll Fresh is like selling mixtapes out of his trunk. You know, yeah, I like the fact that it's all sort of like dodging the industry, you know. Um, so and it seems like in some ways those forms are sort of an incubator for like the types of things that we're talking about. Like I don't fuck with Macklemore, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I'm not gonna like I'm not gonna listen to something just because like a bunch of other people are listening to it. And yeah. that I think is more sort of like my punk lingo coming yeah. out. Punk and rap have this like very odd relationship where I think they both in some ways share sort of a lot of goals of like, you know, rebellion for like the betterment of a community, but where punk is like very sort of embarrassed by riches and like wants to remain outside of the industry, there's almost like an expectation that a talented artist like, yeah, like why wouldn't you try to like get your record out to millions of people, Yeah, you know, but to be elitist about it, I mean, of those millions of people. I would say the vast majority of them are not really thinking about it that deeply because music is just a product for most yeah. people, even more now than ever before. Yeah. You know, talking to people about like, oh, I have my Spotify like weekly playlist that they yeah. give me every single week. And it's like, yeah, that's great. But it's just kind of like your flavor of the month. Like yeah. it sort of saps the political dimension out of it. And there's no difference between like, you know, Rihanna's album coming out for free and like oh like i got a butterfinger at the store (laughs) so in that way do you think that money has diluted a lot of the substance of hip-hop and rap no no i don't think so i mean aside from the sort of 
like the political stuff that we've been talking about. I mean, I guess everything's political, but the sort of the human element, like universally human element yeah. of it, I think in some ways is kind of, it, it's a double-edged sword. It's like fueled by success and there's some really great music that comes yeah. out of success. Like Kendrick was talking a lot about that, how like Good Kid Mad City, which I'm not a huge fan of, but I know a lot of people absolutely love, was a strategic move mm-hmm. on his part. He said, like, I wanted to do something like To Pimp a Butterfly for my debut album, but I knew that I couldn't do that. Yeah. He had to introduce himself to people in a way that wasn't... So this is a case where, no, it wasn't diluted. You yeah. know, he was still, you know, in some ways operating in confines, like operating in his strategy, but he was still able to express what he wanted to express yeah. in a really great he way. He still gave you Mad City and other things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, the whole album, like, it's great. I guess I'm just, like, more interested in it as like a stepping stone to his next project yeah and because of that he's able to deliver something that's like totally incredible yes. like the the equivalent of like you know free your mind your ass will follow and you know it takes a nation of millions to hold us back and there's a riot going on and you know all the way on up to fucking to pimp a butterfly yeah um, and i ask that because when i think of um you know, a lot of rappers who have monetary success, mm-hmm. you often see the quality of their product coming down. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see that directly tied to the amount of success that they have and money and outside influences changing their music? Or do you think that for a lot of artists, maybe like somebody like an aging artist like Jay-Z that just happens to be with the fact that they're not a part of that culture anymore? Um, they're not a part of the culture that made them successful, that made them hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think that's, you know, that's a that's a, a good example of that happening. Yeah, it's weird. Like, sometimes, I mean, sometimes there are artists that, like, sort of all along are sort of grooming themselves to be, like, in that spot. Yeah. Um... Do I think it's directly correlated? It's all a question of motive, okay. too. Like, I, which I think is totally fine. I mean, some rappers like Waka, for instance, like when he was first coming out and people are like, what, what am I supposed to think about this guy? Is he yeah. like an idiot? Is he brilliant? Like, whatever you want to say. You know, he and countless others, like Gucci, you know, um, I mean, probably everyone, just because this is a thing that's based in community, is saying, like, look, I like making music, but at the end of the day, like, I'm trying to, like, eat. Like, I'm trying to eat for my my family, like, my people. And that's not something that happens, I think, too often in, like, white music. Well, maybe we won't say white music. Some people think music is colorblind. I'm not really sure what that means. Talo Quality and Bad Brains have said, like, music is colorblind. Um, But, you know... I was watching an interview with a couple members of REM today. Uh-huh. You know, I can't imagine that them making these like arty kind of esoteric college rock records. They're not thinking about like, oh, well, like I really need to like you know get my sister yeah. a house, you know, so she can live comfortably. <laughs> those those questions just aren't coming up. Yeah, and so do you think that comes out of just be- because of the socioeconomic status that most rappers come from? Um, like you mentioned, I mean, like, yeah, a lot of rappers and same thing with athletes, like a lot of them have those intentions, you know, like I want to make it so that I can 
I got to put food on the table. I got, I'm going to buy my mom a house, mm-hmm. things like that. You know what I mean? Like you hear that a lot. Yeah. Do you think like the difference you mentioned between REM and somebody like Waka, like, is that just because of how they grew up or is that because of the music industry? I mean, yeah, like it's gotta be like REM didn't grow up on Lamron. Like REM yeah. didn't grow up where fucking Chief Keef grew up. Like it just, so yeah, I mean, it's, we're t- I think at the end of the day, we're kind of like talking about two different yeah. things entirely. Yeah, and I'm not, and I'm not saying like those motives are bad. If anything, I mean, that's sort of like, in some ways, like the apex of nobility. Right. Like, I could give a yeah. fuck if like, if that's what you got to do. Yeah. If that's like what we've sort of the social grace, I guess you can't see me quoting air quotes, air quotes, you know, of like allowing people like, Oh, personal responsibility and you can make it, which is fucking bullshit. Like, you know, if that's what we're going to allow impoverished people, Uh if those are the avenues that we're going to allow them to succeed. Yeah. Then yeah. So you can do it. You can appreciate that sense of self empowerment. Oh yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Totally. I mean, my, my issue with it is, so deeply rooted, I think, in, like, the fabrics of, like, capitalism. Yeah. You know, just the way that capitalism has played out in America, that it would just be impossible for me to, you know, to come at someone like... Here's what I'm trying to say. I'm not particularly interested in making money. But, of course, I'm saying that from the position of somebody who has come up with money, who's come up totally fine. Um, But... My So I guess what I'm saying, my issue with wealth and sort of like the pursuit of wealth is primarily like a metaphysical, like religious thing, you yeah. know, which I'm not going to just like shove, yeah, you know, or, or sort of like throw onto other people and expect them to conform. Yeah. Because the reality of like what I believe is things are fucked up and there are certain like exchanges of power that need to go down in order yeah. to like make things right. And we're never going to get it right. But you mentioned earlier your friends um, in high school, they weren't really interested in hip hop. But uh-huh. then when you came to UVA, you saw people who were dressed differently. They were into the music. They were into the culture. Uh-huh. What kind of differences do you see between those people? And I'm not trying to get you to, to point out flaws or anything like that. What kind of differences do you see among those people? Um, on a cultural level that comes out of, you know, things like their interest in hip hop or, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, in the case, yeah, in the case of my friends, it was funny. I remember, um, I think Mo, I mean, Mo's a huge future fan and I remember him showing me, you don't even know, which, you know, caused a lot of problems, Uh but like future's part on that is incredible. And I remember coming back, like my friends coming back to Charlottesville from school I was really excited. I was like, yo, like, you guys need to check this shit out. Like, this song is incredible. And, uh, you know, they were just, like, mocking me straight up. Uh-huh. Like, no, this is fucking bullshit. Like, what are you talking about? This is stupid. And, like, I'm not trying to say, like, because I was, like, grown by other people and, like, shown the way by other people. But it's just funny that now those same people are, like, lobbying very hard for Future. Like, yeah. they're the first ones texting me saying, like, yo, Dirty Sprite 2 is crazy, yeah. you know? Um, cultural differences, I mean, like, the cultural differences are vast, like, I think they're people that, like, kind of grew up just like me, 
we all went to the same high school. Um, we're sort of hearing, like, I went to a Christian high school. We were encountering, like, the same values every day. Like, we weren't particularly happy about their presentation. Um, but, so the, I guess the original question was, like, what are, what are, what are like, the, the differences between my friends in high school and people who are just treating this shit as, like, another type of music yeah. and, like, the pantheon of music yeah. and people who are, like, about hip-hop, yeah. right? Um, I guess, again, to, like, to be elitist about it, like, every, like, I think vast majority of people, like, well, all of us, I think, succumb to a very sort of shallow engagement with our sort of, like, cultural landscape, or, like, our many cultural landscapes, you uh-huh. know what I'm saying? So, like, one person who, like, knows a lot about hip-hop, like, knows the history, knows the music, is on top of their shit, probably is not going to be as sort of, like, apt and focused on, you know, I don't know, like, politics. Like, let's think about that hypothetical. Yeah. So their default is not going to be to understand, like, the nuances of, like, our political system. Mm -hmm. What's going to happen is they're going to hop on Reddit or they're just going to be sort of force-fed this very sort of shallow, watered-down... Fox, MSNBC. Yeah, Yeah, or even just... I mean, I think it's even in the air, like the sexual ethics that are all over a place like UVA that people just sort of, you know, consent to um, and think that, like, consent is, like, the apex of morality. It's It's easy for us to accept, like, those sort of, like, moral things that are being handed to us because they're being encouraged by everybody around us. Yes. But the vast majority of people, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, nobody can be an expert on all things. But the vast majority of people just aren't going to, like, take the time really to dig in, you know? Um, And so in both, like, the hip-hop community, like, the sort of, like, hip-hop-focused community, like, there's a lot of fucking bullshit. There's a lot of people who are there because they want to take a photo with Travis Scott. Yeah. Travis Scott is coming to UVA, and I'm going to get him on my Instagram, and I'm going to get 100 likes, and then I'm just going to have to fucking do it all over again. Yeah. Like, that shit is right there in the culture again this goes back to the idea like i have not found any one thing that i can't say is deeply conflicted and like also deeply beautiful you know um and by the same token like yeah my friends now i'm in on on some level glad that like you know they're gonna hit me up about like you know the new you know like the latest and greatest in rap but at the same time it's again like they're only taking it so far and it just kind of becomes like a product, you know? Do you think that there are aspects of the hip hop community that are misunderstood? Uh, by whom? Cause yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, like, I guess I would say be more specific cause like, you know, my mom is not gonna be particularly enthused when I'm listening to like, you know, Danny Brown or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, more so by our generation, because there are plenty of people in our generation who um, see hip hop the same way that your mom or my mm-hmm. mom do. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, yeah. I mean, again, I think it's just symptomatic of when you are in a particular community, you're sort of hand. Oh, right, right, right. When you're in a particular community, you're sort of, you're handed um, these sort of. Uh, these like moral like these bedrock moral principles yeah. that are that like sort of masquerade as being like the peak of morality so you know 
in certain cases, like, yeah, I've encountered a bunch of people that like the way that they approach rap is like straight up just racist, you know, it's like basically like, it's basically just like the latest like version of blackface, you know what I'm saying? Like, Oh, look at like, you know, slim thug up on stage. Like this guy is so funny. You know what I'm saying? Like it's yeah. Like it's like, it's awful. Um, I wouldn't maybe wouldn't say misunderstood. It's just there's no attempt to understand. Because there's no reason to, you know, if you're not encounter if you're encountering people that aren't listening to rap in any sort of way, let alone a serious way, and um, sorry, I'm losing my train of thought. If you're if you're encountering people who aren't listening to rap in a serious way, or listening to it at all. And you are so moral and upright to understand, like, oh, well, misogyny is bad, homophobia is bad, of course rap is bad. Yeah. Then, like, yeah, you're not making an effort to understand it. Somebody yeah. might, you know, make the, the same argument against, I would presume, all three of us that, like, the Greek system, like, you're not making an effort to understand it. We could have that conversation. Yeah. But, you know. I went to a Jeezy concert in Austin. That's tight, I think. <laughs> it was. It was awesome. Uh, everybody in the audience was white. Yeah. Not everybody. Most people in the audience were white. Mm-hmm. Austin I, is like very, very homogenous town. It's yeah. It's a weird place. And, and but it's not actually. Well, anyways. <laughs> um, I think that it, it's not just an Austin thing, though. I think that, you know, if you go to a rap, con- or a rap concert in D.C., in Richmond, I mean, there there are places in which you're gonna have a predominantly white audience. Yeah, yeah. I remember um, some of my friends went to see Vince Staples at U Street. Yeah, and I think Vince even was saying like, "Oh, it's nice to see some black people in the audience." Yeah, you know, because I guess he'd just been playing straight up to like white audiences yeah. all the time. How do you think that those artists feel about that? Um, I think it's a mix. Um, it's very. Like, gangster rap has always, like, for a long time, has been a pretty serious force, you know? Um, Explain what gangster rap means to you, by the way. Uh, gosh. What does gangster rap mean to me? That's a crazy question. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's just people that, like, truly embody not giving a fuck, you know? Which, in some cases, is good. And in like we talked about, in some cases is great, in some cases it's like absolutely terrible. Um, how yeah, how do artists feel about that? I mean, yeah, I think it's I think it's a mix. Like again, it sort of like goes back to the question of like motive. You know, like who are you doing this for? I could see, in some ways, like if you're someone who's a lot more focused on just like you know making art, making music, and are you know sort of more prone to like this like a colorblind approach then yeah it's probably gonna bother you less than like i mean what kind of sense did you get of like jeezy on stage did he seem like cool with it uh yeah was absolutely cool with it and the reason that i think was saying he liked doing shows at ut because it was at ut Mm -hmm. um was that everybody in the audience is engaged um I mean, I think that if you're going to a rap concert, you're probably going to be engaged, right? If you're, I mean, I was like 15 feet from him, right? Mm -hmm. Like I had a great view. It was just all college students just packed. Right. And 
he was feeding off the energy, right, of course. And mm-hmm. I didn't think that um, the audience really changed his set. I didn't think it changed because he was actually at, that night, he was being like super motivational. Mm-hmm. This was for, uh, it was promoting uh, the album Seen It All, mm-hmm. right? So he was like trying to be super like, hey, I did this, y'all can do it too. You uh-huh. know? So I, I didn't really feel like it changed his attitudes on stage. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a, I don't know what to say about it, frankly, just, you know, by simple virtue of like me not being a rapper and like the, the mix, the like mixed motivations, which is not a bad thing of artists, I think is really what you'd have to interrogate to answer that question. You know what I'm saying? So like, I know some people are like, some people probably aren't too happy with it. Other people are totally cool with it it's it's a range um what's is there like a right answer uh probably i don't know what it is though (laughs) what do you think ring like white audiences yeah like purely white audiences yeah well i think it's it goes back to exactly what you were saying is that people aren't willing to give it some people aren't willing to give it the chance to engage with it right and i see that especially on college campuses right and you said it was at ut University of Texas, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, and this is something that I've observed a lot here where it's like, yeah, like, man, I really fuck with this new album. Like, you know, it's great. I'm going to go to this concert. And it's, there's no understanding of the history or the, the context of it. So, um, but I also don't like to make sweeping assumptions mm-hmm. um, about that, right? So, I don't know if, you know, these kids at UT Austin were, like, you know, actually, like, really engaging with Jeezy and, like, you know, understand the context of hip-hop in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's hard. It's hard for artists to target a black audience everywhere they go. Um, and it's especially hard to target a black audience and, like we were mentioning earlier, still chase money. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, exactly that's exactly what I was gonna say. So I think at the end of the day, it comes down to marketing, right? And so, I mean, you as an artist, I would imagine, you know, I could be like, man, I obviously I want black people to show out and show love and all of that. But at the end of the day, like, I mean, who's who's gonna be coming out and showing real support? Like, where are the funds coming from? Like, you just have to expand your audience, and mm-hmm. if that means white audience in a majority white country i mean um i think it comes down to marketing and i don't know if, if at this least is... for now by the way the majority part right for now for now right so should change soon right so like 20 I mean, years i think yeah. it's there there won't be a yeah it's something majority. like like 2040 or 2050 or something like that yeah exactly it's gonna it's gonna shift right yeah so but i think for now and that's another conversation that we could have is that is there a contradiction or a schism between you know marketing chasing money and also staying true to your audience and and I, you guys were talking about this earlier too like is you know the artists change up just to to cater to the hype or to to a certain you demographic know. Yeah. yeah so I, I mean and that's always a conversation that's been happening around hip-hop you know mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think it's hard. It's really hard for artists to target these audiences. Um, it's like, 
I don't have a problem with white people who, you know, are saying Black Lives Matter with the actual context and the actual, you know, intention of being woke on a constant basis, right? So... What does it, that mean? It goes back to intent, right? So what is the intent? Like, are you just yeah. taking this music just to extract it and, like, entertain yourself? Yeah, yeah or to intellectualize it, too. Exactly. Like, I, I'm not trying to turn this shit into a dissertation. Like, no matter how sort of, you know, like, sort of aware I might be, I, I think it, it needs to be, like, actionable, you know? Right. And that's kind of what I'm, like, wrestling through right now. Like, right. given that, like, you know... Like, basically, if you're listening, if you're listening to rap and you're not thinking and you're really enjoying it and it's not affecting your next step in life. Right. Because it's giving you access to this world. I think there's a problem there. Right. You know? And if you're also not talking to other people about it. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you're consuming it for yourself and it's a for this is my opinion. I mean, I think I don't think that consuming music should be an individual endeavor or an individual experience right and so or that it has to be an individual endeavor right and so I think that if you're if you're taking that music and you're not kind of grappling with the ideas and and talking to other people about it especially people who are different from you right so Mm -hmm. if you really are in a position where you do not identify with what an artist is saying, especially in hip hop, you physically have not experienced this, right? Or mm-hmm. you can't, you don't know what that is. But if you know that, and if you're not talking to other people about that, then what is the point of you consuming this music, right? Right. Um, and I mean, and, and people differ on that, right? Like some people really just see music like, yeah, it just gets me through the day. Like it's just entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talk about, you know, capitalism before re-mentions marketing um when i think about hip-hop culture in general i think of branding like uh-huh. i, I mm-hmm. think of um before you know fubu rock aware uh even expanding from just fashion brands i think also media brands like something mm-hmm. like the fresh prince of bel-air mm-hmm. was like a landmark tv show for minorities i think like you know, you saw Will Smith on TV wearing these, like, Jordans. Like, from there, you evolve hip-hop culture into, you know, shoes or fashion mm-hmm. or different things. Mm-hmm. Do you see brands playing the same role in hip-hop and, you know, rap today as you do, as maybe 10 years ago? Like, with, you know, when Kanye broke out the, pimp, the pink polo or, like, yeah. different things, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think fashion is always just kind of like a cyclical thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, if ASAP mob is any evidence, you know, I mean, it was fucking like 18 months and everybody's wearing like, you know, leggings and like (laughs) shorts that have like words plastered on. Like, I don't know. Uh, That's that's probably the dimension of rap that like interests me the least, I would say. Uh I've probably gotten a lot further from, like, really, really caring about that stuff. Um, I mean, I know, like, obviously, like, everybody likes fresh clothes. Like, who doesn't like to stunt every once in a while? But, like, when the... No pun intended. When, like, the fabric of your music (laughs) is talking about, like, your fucking hat. Yeah. Like, I get it, but I just don't fuck with it. Like, I just think it's sort of putting your energy in the wrong place. Um, Mm -hmm. 
And I used to be, you know, like addicted to Supreme, you know, uh-huh. I bought that shit left and right. And luckily it appreciates in value. So I was able to sell it and make <laughs> some good money. Um, but I mean, I think someone like Young Thug is using, you know, fashion. Yeah. Like he's using what he wears very, very effectively, uh-huh. you know, and it actually creates like interesting conversations that I think illuminate some of the like the ignorance of like the white critic crowd as well as like just people being straight up homophobic yeah. like you know who's this like gay dude you know yeah. like, why is he wearing nail polish like don't fucking worry tank? about yeah, yeah like yeah. just don't worry about it like yeah. like in the same way that like you probably on the one hand like we need to like observe like observe it and like put a name to it and say like yeah this is actually something interesting and like kind of new uh-huh. we don't want to swing too far to that side you know what i'm saying like there are some people that are that are gonna get like gonna go as far as to say like we can't call young thug weird like that you know that defeats the purpose it's like shut the fuck up young thug's fucking weird like everybody can recognize because that. there's a distinction yeah and so you're trying to you're trying to talk about the distinction between calling somebody weird and saying oh that person's like gay or calling out like, you know yeah like that yeah yeah and, like, that, I think, is a case where the music kind of stands on its own, you know? It's like, yeah. just don't worry about his nail polish for now. Just listen to his music, because I promise you it is incredible. And, like, Thug is affecting, like, some of the most important artists right now. Like, I don't know if y'all have heard um, Eric Badu and Andre 3000, Hello. Andre goes full young thug in the last part of his verse yeah. like these yes. crazy vocal harmonies and for somebody and, for somebody as you know i mean andre 3000 is such a huge name in hip-hop yeah i mean everybody was freaking timeless. out everybody was freaking out about sorry i'm getting heated but no, it's cool everybody's freaking out about kanye wearing the fucking confederate flag on his like five thousand dollar jacket in 2010 yeah. andre had that shit on his belt buckle, without a shirt on, with a scarf and a beanie, in the rain, in the fucking Miss Jackson video. Yeah. So, he, yeah, yeah. he's yeah. the greatest, straight up. <laughs> I think weirdness in itself is their definition for that. I may disagree with you a little bit on that. It's like, yeah, you think he's fucking weird, but I think that that's because we think we've created a norm in hip-hop, right? Yeah, so I w- what I would say is, like, I don't think weird is bad at all. Like, yeah, no, I think it's... Yeah. Like, someone like Thug, it's good to recognize how sort of out of the box he's being. But absolutely, I mean, but but by the same token, I think we can still look back to someone like Three Stacks and be like, yeah, he was he was pretty weird. Like, he was pretty out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, I think, is where you were going with that, sort of this idea that, like, so yes, we've sort of created this, like, norm in hip-hop. I think ideally that shouldn't exist, you know? Like, it should be this, like, free-flowing space for expression. But the reality is it's just not. You know what I'm saying? Right. And and I think what I was trying to get at that is that it kind of sparks, like, a bigger discussion about masculinity and mm-hmm. and how hip-hop has been kind of redefining it in some ways, yet maintaining some kind of status quo, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I think Young Thug really challenges that. And there are, I mean, up-and-coming new, I guess, alternative artists now um, who kind of are in this in-between of alternative R&B and rap, um, that kind of question that, right? So 
like although that you know you said okay it doesn't matter like you know fashion maybe it's like least interesting thing maybe to you or um you know shouldn't worry about what he's wearing but i actually think fashion um masculinity and its relationship with hip-hop are actually pretty substantial um Mm -hmm. and and i and we've seen it right come out in in a lot of different forms like i mean like when p diddy came out with his line like what was it sean something yeah um, and then you saw, like, you know, all these guys, like, rocking, like, those, those huge t-shirts, and, like, uh-huh. you know, it was, like, for them, it was, like, very macho, right? Yeah. Um, but now, it's different, like you said, like, people wearing, you know, like, these, these tight-ass jeans, and, you know, so, and I think they actually do really go hand-in-hand, hand. Mm-hmm. um, and they do speak volumes, I think, to the, the changing and shifting culture yeah yeah i guess to to correct myself i guess what i meant more was like nobody should look at what somebody is wearing and consider that some sort of like detractor for listening to their music you know what i'm saying so yeah yeah, no i mean i it's you know it's completely like what you said is totally undeniable like fashion is very important from you know um trying to think of like an earlier example like, woo wear to like you know Cameron, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like Cameron coming out and like this crazy pink shit, you know? Like it's it's great, like yeah. and it's a, it's an important dimension. And again, I think, we could have a deeper discussion about like. The sort of like the ideal versus the reality, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like the reality is like, clothing is a like a space for expression. Right. I think ideally it probably sh- wouldn't matter and shouldn't matter, but it does, and it can be used very tastefully and effectively. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so he's wearing, like, a Hooters tank top. Like, just listen to Check and, like, tell me that's not a great song. Yeah. You know? What are some artists that you think embody what hip-hop culture is in 2016? It's hard to say because as much as I agree with the idea that, like, music and like rap in particular shouldn't be listened to in isolation like you know i live at my fucking parents house like (laughs) i don't have too many friends that listen to rap so i'm just not having those conversations i mean i think we're seeing this kind of really like this interesting transition take place and this kind of goes back to what i was talking about where like at least in so for me what i've observed is Friends of mine who wouldn't necessarily have listened to rap in the past, I think, are now, for whatever reason, like, it's being presented as, like, more acceptable, you know? Um, which is just kind of, a like, a tragic thing. Um, but, yeah, like, I'm having conversations with people that I wouldn't otherwise about, like, future. I'm having conversations with people about Young Thug that I wouldn't otherwise. And Why do you say that that's tragic? Um... Because I think it goes back to this idea that, like, it's not it's not actually actionable for those people. It's just kind of, like, another thing. Mm-hmm. So there's a guy who lives here in Charlottesville named Tom Bryan, and he's a critic. He writes for Stereo Gum. And his lane back in, like, you know, the mid-2000s was, I'm going to write seriously about people like Lil Scrappy. You know, I'm going to write seriously about, like, Tip and, you know, 3-6 and stuff like that. And 
I don't know why it took so long, but that sort of attitude, um, I think is starting to permeate sort of like, you know, like pitchfork right now, like, which is a, you know, huge blog for like, frankly, like millennial males is trying so, so hard to be a rap blog. So, so hard. And I think what's tragic about it is it's a space to say interesting things about music and take music seriously. But when I, when you have people saying, you know, there was a review of like a Tory Lanez, like Mm -hmm. his most recent mixtape. And the line was something like Tory Lanez is, you know, rude and misogynistic but not nearly as talented as The Weeknd or Ty Dolla Sign for you to forgive him. And I'm thinking, like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on right now? Like, that is, like, that's, like, the political ethic that these, like, critics are, are operating out of. Like, that musical talent somehow excuses, like, misogyny. Right. What is going on, right, you know? Right. It's just lost so much sort of substance and... People like Tom Bryan were totally instrumental for me, like understanding like, yeah, it's it's a good thing. Like, it's not only OK, it's it's imperative that you understand why clips and like Gucci are awesome. Yeah. You know, um, but I just think shout out Pusha T. Yeah. Pusha T. Um, I mean, it's just yeah, it's it, I just think it's kind of sad, like how little people are using their brain. Like, how the fuck did that end up on page? You know? Maybe I'm tripping, but I just think no, that's so messed no, no. up. Isn't it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, it absolutely is. It absolutely is, yeah. Especially for something that's, like, so focused on, like, the real. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, you gotta fucking do it. Like, you gotta be real as fuck in this shit. Like, again, it's not a dissertation. Yeah. I'm not interested in your dissertation. Yeah. Because you want to you wanna say interesting things, but you don't want to talk above the music, you know? But you also don't want to talk below it, mm-hmm. you know? You don't want to... You don't want to pander, and you don't want to condescend. Yeah, you know? finding that sweet spot is hard. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I wanted to talk about language a little bit, um, and how rap and hip hop affect language. Uh huh. Um, so there's this site that I showed you that has, I think you're already familiar with it. Um, it's the number of unique words used within an artist's first thirty-five thousand lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, like bars. Like. Uh, the first, first 35,000 words that this artist ever professionally said. And, oh, wow. Yeah, and there's like a graph. Uh, it's a line graph, and it goes... Yeah, sorry. So you can see it here. Um, maybe I'll, this? Yeah, maybe <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll post That's this awesome. with, uh, with the episode so that our listeners can take a look. So it compares these artists, and there are, I don't know, maybe like 30 or 40 rap artists here, uh, compares them with uh, the first 35,000 words of Moby Dick, and the first 5,000 words of seven of Shakespeare's works, so 35,000 words. Um, And kind of what you see is that the most unique words are used by guys like from Wu-Tang Clan, right? You see Ghostface Kill over here, over 5,700 unique words. Um, Ghostface is also one of the goats. I mean, of course, (laughs) of course. And then on the flip side... Uh, you know, you see DMX is at the bottom mm-hmm. with 3,200 unique words. I mean, the whole, like, the, like, Shakespeare, and what was the other one, Moby Dick and Shakespeare? Moby Dick, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, and I don't necessarily bring this up to compare just specifically to Shakespeare or something like that. 
in terms of using unique words, like that's such an interesting way to look at rap. Right. I guess my, so for, for people who are either looking at this or listening, like it says at the bottom notes and sources, I used the first 5,000 words of Shakespeare. Like, I guess my thing is we wouldn't use, um, like the script of star Wars to talk about like the vocabulary of Chuck D. Right. So it's not just about the number of unique words that makes an artist better. Oh, hell no. Right. Oh, okay. That's what you were right. getting at? Yeah. Absolutely not. Right. No. I mean, there are some people that are incredibly verbose and, you know, I'm sure could like wrap some, like wrap someone in circles, yeah. but like their music sucks. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like, I think Lil Wayne is yeah. a great example of that. Like he's made some really, really good music when he's like in his sweet spot and just like rapping, it's yeah. great. When that man tries to make, like write a song, it's an absolute disaster. Yeah, and I ask that because um, <laughs> I think there are a lot of people and they treat music like this in, in general, but it's specifically with rap, maybe because of racial undertones or whatever their implicit biases are, that it's an unintelligible, I don't know, it's just an unintelligent form of music. Mm-hmm. Which, um, I, yeah, I mean, I think it's just and I think preposterous. That, and I like, think that line of thinking creates stuff like this, where you juxtapose, uh, you know, DMX lyrics to Shakespeare. Yeah. To try to, to try to put one down and to try to bring it, to elevate another genre. A hundred percent, yeah. And, I mean, like, people, I think, conflate, like, lyricism with, like, a good vocabulary. Yeah, because like, like you just said, like, Lil Wayne, I mean, I think everybody can agree Lil Wayne at one point was one of, if not like the greatest rappers. Alive, yeah, right. Absolutely. And on this graph, it says he's in his th- first 35 or 35,000 lyrics. He used 3,743 unique words, which puts him pretty much at the bottom of the list. Mm-hmm. The, the reason that we say like that we should be saying someone like Kendrick Lamar is lyrical is not because like his vocabulary is hyper complex. Like, it's just like you're making a category mistake. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, his lyrics are different from like Gucci, for instance, but Gucci is like incredibly lyrical, like very sort of expressive and like knows exactly what he wants to say and says it in hyper creative ways. You know what I'm saying? And that's what Kendrick is doing too. They just have different subject matter. Yeah. Like they're approaching different things. They yeah. have different goals. They have different intentions, but I'm not gonna like, I mean, I, I just can't imagine what metric we would use to say a rapper is like more lyrical than one another. It's like, are you expressing yourself or yeah. are you not? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. beef over, uh, you know, whether or not they like J Cole and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like people, yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on stuff like that? Like rappers like that? Like J Cole. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a really tough thing. And I think that's what sort of like, like kind of woke me up to like my tendency to sort of maybe not intellectualize but like sort of decontextualize rap like I don't like listening to J. Cole's music I really don't um and I remember he put out a video I don't remember when it was it was probably like fall you know right around the time his, his album came out and uh I texted my friend Buck it's like a video of him like riding a bike have you seen that video? Yeah. He's just like riding a bike through Down the, the street. city. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, this man looks so corny. Like, <laughs> like, 
it just looks like he like hasn't showered in like three days. Like what the <laughs> fuck is going on? This sucks. So I texted my friend Buck and was like, yo, dude, have you seen this? It's like so corny. And he was like, I don't know, man. Like, I think it's pretty like pretty potent and like pretty needed for like what's going on right now. I was like, fuck, like I really need to like re- sort of like repri like prioritize in a different way. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't get me like I still don't like J. Cole. Like, I'm not going to listen to J. Cole. But you always have to be checking yourself in this context. Yeah. Like, I just think it's inherent in, like, the genesis of rap all the way through 2016. It's not going to go away. And it's, so basically it's a genre that demands reverence and respect that oftentimes it doesn't get. And oftentimes that I think is, like disrespect like disrespected not only by listeners but also by artists you know so is it an okay measure to see like who can freestyle better personally i'm like really impressed if i see a rapper just like going ham like can just freestyle yeah Mm -hmm. and i'm like yo like i have much more respect for this person Mm -hmm. versus someone who literally just can't even like put two lines together when they're put on the spot like i mean yeah. To me, that is talent. Like I personally, yeah. I view it as like yeah, I mean, it's definitely talent. talent. Yeah, of course. Yeah, there's a. Um, I actually saw. So there was like this, and can we just say like Twitter beef is so whack. Like, <laughs> sometimes it's very entertaining. Like I guess the Kanye Wiz thing was kind of funny, but like I want these dudes on wax. Like that was what was so cool about the Drake Meek Mill shit. But. Um, <laughs> I saw this, so it was like Danny Brown and French Montana, and French Montana has made some great music, you know, Danny Brown's one of my favorite rappers, whatever else, uh, and French, I think, said something to the effect of, like, all of the, and I think he made the category mistake here, all of the lyrical rappers that I know are broke, you know? Mm. Okay. And right, Danny Brown... people don't consume that shit. Yeah, and Danny Brown's response was like, I just don't think that that's, like, a good message to be sending, like, right. young rappers. That, like, yeah. you don't have to be skilled. It's like, like no. Like, you just make whatever and yeah. sell. Yeah, like, we have Kendrick Lamar, Danny Brown, yeah. J. Cole. Um, yeah. I mean, even Earl Sweatshirt, I think, yeah. is, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. totally amazing. You know, he's, like, just really on some next-level shit. He does some great introspective work that you can't really find anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I was a huge fan of his, his album from last year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's tough. Like, I, I think I I think I agree. Like, mm-hmm. part of the re like, I really, you know, Arib and I, like, we bonded over language. We right. met in Arabic class, and that's a big selling point for me. Like, you know, hearing Kendrick on the Black Friday shit, you know. It's yeah. just fun, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. It's impressive. Yeah. It's skillful. Um am I going to fault somebody? So I guess like then the interesting question becomes like, okay, so we have somebody like thug who's like able to like layer his voice in all these interesting ways and come up with all these interesting flows. Do we want somebody like that? Like, you know, like spitting about, you know, the same type of stuff that Kendrick is talking about. I don't, I don't know. I mean, Like, I mean, it's different lanes. Like you mentioned, they have different intentions. They have different subject matter. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, is, is one better than the other? Like, you know, the critical response would obviously lead us to say, like, yeah, like Kendrick owned 2015. Um, but 
you know, it just all depends on who you ask. Because, like, mm-hmm. you know, to other people, future around 2015. Yeah. And, right. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, music is just one of those areas where it's, I mean, art in general is so, so difficult to apply, like, metrics, you know? Right, yeah, I just, right, right. We, we listen to different stuff for different reasons. Right. People have their tendencies, their preferences. Um, the type of rapper that I like the best is somebody who can, like, put a great concept together, you know, and wrap their ass off, but also write good songs, um, which is rare and a big ask. But then, you know, like, I'm probably going to get in my car and listen to, you know, like Johnny May Cash or something like it just makes like these awesome, like shimmery little like yeah. pop songs, yeah. you know? Um, so I don't know. Like who was yes and no, isn't it always right. yes and no, both. <laughs> and <laughs> who was your favorite artist of 2015? Hmm. 2015. I mean, I probably listened to future the most 56 nights in particular. Um, yeah, it was probably Young Thug. <laughs> <laughs> he's going, coming back to him, right? Yeah. yeah. Nah, I mean, he's... Very unique. He's very, very fascinating. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Thug and Future, they're really holding it down. Yeah. Um, I think, I think the... I mean, just by virtue of living on the East Coast, like, West Coast does not get as much shine. But, like, yeah. there's some heavy hitters yeah. out there right now. Um, obviously, like... TD Squad, yeah. Kendrick, um, Schoolboy, those guys, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and then all the way to like YG. Yeah. Um, there's this guy that I just found out about a few weeks ago called Mozzie, who's really incredible. Um, Ty Dolla Sign, yeah. you know, stuff like that is like, it's, it's kind of like leading quietly leading the pack. Yeah. I think um, sonically. Who do you think is? the biggest artist to watch out for in 2016 then? Um, it seems like the there's a really big wave of kind of young kids, like even younger than us, like 18, 19, 20, who sounds like they listen to a lot of Chief Keef and are putting out some really good music. So there's like Playboy Cardi, to a lesser extent, people like Lil Uzi Vert. Um, the, the biggest one to watch out for though it's such a hard thing, because, like, to go back to Thug again, when he put out 1017 Thug in 2013, I don't give a fuck who you are. There's no way that anybody would predict that that man would be where he is right now. Like, that stuff is, like, on that mixtape. It's great, but it is rough, and, like, the engineering is, like, pretty bad, and his voice is, like, not, like, there's, like, no control. Yeah. So... Props to you if you, like, really could see that. Um, biggest artist 2016 for, like, personal watch out for. I really like um, this uh, woman out of Oakland, Kamaya. Yeah. Uh, mentioned her before. She has yeah. a song called How Does It Feel. Yeah. Which is totally incredible. Um, and who else would I throw in the mix? Um... Yeah, it's kind of weird, like, like stepping away from rap for a while. Yeah. It seems like there's way less, like, kind of low-level or, like, mid-tier superstars these days or, like, yeah. mid-tier stars. It seems like it's kind of like you're all the way or you're, like, really kind of swimming around yeah. in the underground because, like, anybody can make music, yeah. you know? 
which is a great thing, and I think really kind of puts some more like punk energy yeah. into into rap, and you know. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Twenty sixteen, it'll it'll be interesting. Like some somebody needs to like disrupt shit again. Yeah, I think you know. Um, you mentioned Kamaya. Do you think the person to disrupt the status quo is going to be a female? Uh, I hope it is for sure. Um, I I think yeah. There there are people that are that have all these like really interesting opportunities, and it's always really hard to see where, like where music is going to head. It just seems very kind of like unclear. Yeah. At this point, like the heavy hitters are like really really heavy right now like crossing over into pop territory like yeah. they never have before mm-hmm. i mean the fact that drake was on a future tape yeah is pretty insane you know like i was talking to one of my friends here saying like sorority girls are requesting jump man you know wow. that's like a pretty that's yeah that's a weird, <laughs> that's a weird thing and i mean my even, parents are listening to jump man like yeah yeah like even back to you know Miley kicking it with like Mike Will made it like Mike Will made it produced half of her album mm-hmm. you know yeah so I think I mean it's been going that way for a long time I mean I I hesitate I would never concede that Miley Cyrus is like the face of progress because she's not <laughs> of anything it's pure regression um, <laughs> there's one other thing that I wanted to wanted to talk about I'm trying to remember what it was oh yeah it was the idea of like I've, this is another thing that I've sort of been struggling with is so like one of my favorite rappers over the past few years is King Louie okay. um, from Chicago like sort of OG drill music like you know right around the time Keith was coming out like he was there you know he's been it seems like he's been sort of shepherding folks like Lil Bibby and Lil Herb like this like next wave of like Chicago music and he still makes great music he has a tape from 2014 called Tony which is amazing um, but there are certain like so the the heart of the question is he has a song called Day which is like the hook is talking about like killing someone and like making a day like putting them on the news you know what I'm saying and my question becomes like to a certain extent for someone like myself like I don't understand that life I don't understand those that like emotional yeah. dimension or I guess like the the kind of lack of emotion like the first thing he says in the song is like fuck feelings you know um, you know it's something that like musically I'm really compelled by like he goes really hard the beat is really tight but it's not always something that I think I handle particularly well when you know we can we can have this sort of you know in some ways distance but engage conversation about rap, about misogyny, and say, like, yes, this is bad, but there's also, like, a lot of goodness going on. I think oftentimes we sort, at least I kid myself into to thinking that I have, like, the head knowledge stored away, so this isn't going to affect my heart. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And then the question becomes, like, well, are you just kind of turning it into this, like, intellectual thing? Like, what's, like, what is, like, responsible listening yeah. look like in that yeah. case, you know? Because I think there is value there. Like, there's just musical value that's yeah. inherent in it. But the question that I have sort of becomes, like, when is it an outlet and when is it sort of, when does it sort of start to condition you? Yeah. You know what I right, mean? Right, right, right. Because I think... It's a very thin line to yeah. walk. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
there's maybe that's a that's an argument for diversifying your yeah your music portfolio yeah yeah i mean there's i mean there's a verse in the bible that says like it is not what goes into a man that makes him sinful it's what comes out you know what i'm saying yeah but the thing by the same token like the things that come in the way that we engage those things eventually are going to shape your heart and i guess what i'm trying to say is music is a very sort of visceral sort of intangible like inexplicable thing for me when i'm listening to a song i just want to be fully immersed in that world for the musical qualities you know and oftentimes what comes along with that are some really harsh lyrics and i think we just have to be really really careful about like you know not to say that it's fantasy because it's not that's clearly not the aim yeah but just monitoring like the way that if that it affects us you know without again turning it into a dissertation because it's not being asked would you say that that's also an argument for maybe like because i mean i don't think there are any parents listening to this podcast but i think that a parent would hear that and say well yeah i don't want my 10 year old listening to this because they are going to be conditioned by that but Mm -hmm. my 18 year old might not be right right yeah, no, and I, mean, I think so. And I mean, you hear similar arguments in terms of, um, I would say, sexualization or, you know, objectifying women, and that is found in music. So if, you know, if your son grows up listening to this, does that mean that he is going to inherently yeah. be objectifying every woman that he meets? And it's like, oh, yeah, because I was listening to music that said just fuck every bitch, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, where do you draw that line? Yeah. 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 I mean, I think, frankly, there are just other problems that people should be focusing on yeah. in the, in the <laughs> like in the realm of like what causes one to objectify someone. Right. Let's talk. Let's have a conversation about pornography. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. The pure like, which is just pure like transactional sex. Like, yeah. what the fuck is that doing to young people? And there's actually a lot of evidence coming out that it is, you know, really, really fucking with people's brains. Yeah. So, right. Um, yeah. No. I mean. Yeah. People like, you know, scapegoats and, mm-hmm. um, you know, again, I think it would be sort of insulting to say like, yeah, like it's totally cool. Like it's still a problem, mm-hmm. you know, like I don't think anybody's into misogyny. Yeah, you're not excusing you know? it. Like to, to, again, to talk about that Pitchfork article, like yeah. there's no amount of talent that is going to convince me your misogyny is like an okay yeah. thing. But again, and maybe this is a good point to end on. We are never going to find anything that is not deeply conflicted and totally beautiful. So, yeah. Yeah. I think everyone kind of is a walking contradiction, right? Oh, yeah. In this life. Oh, yeah. I want to thank John Nolan again for sharing his insights with us on Rap and Society. The other voice you heard on this episode was our producer, Reem Hashim, who's really been working her tail off to get this project off the ground. I loved having her on as part of this episode, and if you guys want to hear more of her, Tweet me at U-H-R-E-E-B with the hashtag WeWantReem. This is probably also a good time for me to shout out my wonderful friends and family who've been supporting me so much with this project. I really can't say enough about how much it means to me. This is the Cool for Thought podcast, and I'm Arib Khan. Stay hungry.